prepare for trouble. Make it double. We're going to fly over polar bears and see them and look at them and be with the polar bears. Yes. <laughs> no, we're not. Yes, we are. No, we're not. Everyone wants some magical solution for their problem, and everyone refuses to believe in magic. Two True Freaks presents Hope of All Trades, hosted by Hope Molnax, talking like a man and fangirling like a lady since 2010. Frighten people. Give me a Dalek any day. everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of Hope of All Traits. My name is Hope Molinax, I'm the host of this show. Welcome to my third, third, right? Yes, third Winter Soldier episode. In this one, we're going to be talking about, and we being me and my co-host Angel, who is still with me on this one, we're going to be finishing up all the minor characters. So we talk about Alexander Pierce, we talk about Sharon Carter, our feelings over Peggy Carter, Brock Remlo, and then a couple others here and there. Uh, just a quick note right fast before we jump right into this. Since I did record this podcast uh, about a month ago, maybe a little over a month ago, there are some of our points that aren't quite really valid anymore. Like, for example, we made a theory about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and was talking about it, and then the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, finale came out and we were wrong. We also talked about the finale of Once Upon a Time. Well, we talked about Once Upon a Time comparing, like, ABC owning Disney and Marvel and stuff like that and how that affects them. And we said something about Once Upon a Time that ended up not being true in the finale. So, yeah, that was fun. So just keep in mind as you're listening to this that this was recorded over a month ago, so some of our points not aren't quite as valid anymore. All right, guys, I hope you enjoy. Let's talk about Mr. Alexander Pierce. Yay. Though so I don't... Uh, I, I totally forgot to put him in the list originally because I, I know he was like the big bad guy, but I couldn't really think of like any big talking points about him other than, hey, he's the really big bad guy. Yeah, he's... I don't know what to say about him except that he's kind of creepy a bit. Yeah. Good. I, I, I kind of recognized from the beginning that there was something kind of up with him, but yeah. I, I think the most the best part of his character is in relation to Fury and how mm-hmm. it affected Fury. Because like we were saying that we got a lot of Fury backstory in this. Right, and uh, this is someone that he trusted. Yeah, like the, they've been. It's kind of like when um I like like Sitwell and uh, actually no not Sitwell uh, Garrett and Coulson in Agents of Shield. When you find out that Garrett is a Hydra agent, like Phil is just, uh, I just cannot believe it because they've trained together. They they've been they were mm-hmm. trained by Fury together, and they've been right. through so much. And I think that's how Fury feels about Pierce too. I, I think where Pierce is more interesting is is his relationship with Fury. You know, that's that's where his strong point is. And I kind of like how I don't want to say resourceful he is. But how he pretty much like set up everything. Like the World Council right. was killed because of Pierce. Like he set that up, and he had his men. And you, I, I, but I would, I have to wonder, in the scale of all the other Marvel villains, where does he stack up? Like was was Skull better than Pierce? And I, I kind of have to say, I, I have to say yes. I guess because like why did he do all this? Like I mean, I get that the reason why he like that he targeted people was because that they were considered threats or whatever but what was his motivation he was hydra and hydra's back crap crazy yeah but at least like with red skull we know that he wanted to take over the world he wanted power and i think in a way he wanted power 
Now, I kind of, going off the whole Hydra thing, they want a world of peace, but it's peace dominated by fear. So um, it's kind of like the Loki sort of thing, like... I, I think Loki is just full of daddy issues, and I love him. I, I love him for it. But, um, I, I yeah, I think it's one of those things that, like, Hydra's main goal is that they believe that they can actually bring peace. That they have Freedom to bring... is the world's greatest lie. Yeah, but I think that they can bring quote unquote peace. I think they believe that they can bring quote unquote peace through an example, which is killing those two million people. And right. so they would put everybody in a state of fear to where they wouldn't rebel against Hydra. I think what they underestimate, and as we see in this movie, and we've seen in several other comics and and stuff, that they underestimate people. You know, people right. will fight. No matter what. I think a really great example was in the the Spider-Man movies. Like, the original ones with Tobey Maguire. Mm-hmm. Where, I don't remember which one, but, like, Spider-Man was in trouble. And he was trying to save, a, like, these... these. I it was like Doc Ock. I think it was Doc Ock on the bridge. Um, yeah. And these people started throwing, like, shoes and stuff at Doc Ock to try and save Spider-Man. And they were just normal people. And they... it's what I think that what Hydra is greatly underestimating is people. And I think even if they had succeeded and killed those too many people, you would see more people rise up and try to stop right. Hydra. And we see it with S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, you know, I, I think we see them, like, you know, the little nerdy tech guy, like, stand up to Rumlow and be like, I'm not doing this, even if you shoot me. So now I'm starting to think, and this is tying into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., could you imagine, like, if uh, Rise Against the Tide had done more, like, and uncovered more? I know. Oh, that's a really good point. Like, like Sky's group. Like, what if they had really found out about Hydra first? Or what if Sky's boyfriend was actually actually no? I was about to say maybe they were. He used to be a Hydra agent, and he let that slip. I don't know, huh? But think of how much different that would be if it would be like, oh yeah, by the way, Hydra has taken over Shield. <laughs> Yeah, though I have to kind of point out, I think Zola's algorithm was a little bit too fancy for for Sky at the time right. to do that. Like Sky had really good resources at the time, I but I think now Shield she has better resources and she can do it now. Even Natasha, who had like other resources, she was like, "Well, this was written by someone who was just a bit smarter than me." Stacked up against the other Marvel villain, villains, I don't think Pierce is the best one. Yeah. Um, he actually kind of reminded me of Max from The Losers a bit, like at least during that one point when he shoots the uh, maid. Yeah. Who comes in. It's like, really? Did you have to shoot her? You could have just told her to keep quiet. No, no. He had to shoot her. It's uh, a bad guy thing. Like, do you think a maid would actually keep quiet? I don't know if she actually feared for her life. No. <laughs> No, I think I think that's too much of a liability. Though I, um, I the moment I saw the maid, I was like, "Oh, she gonna die." No, I have to say, I was surprised that he shot her and not the Winter Soldier. Like, I like know. to see that blood on Pierce's hands. Um, that was a little bit of a shock. But then we see him kill the World Councilman. Right. I think I think that was a scene they needed to show uh-huh. how dangerous Pierce was. Yeah, I think you're right. He's kind of a bit more of um. I he think he wasn't that great of a bad guy. Like Hydra as a whole is. Oh my goodness, like an amazing big bad, but just Alexander Pierce himself is like, okay. I think I was, uh, Zola had more of an impact as a bad guy because he is now in two films. Even Rum, 
even Rumlow was more of a bad guy. I, I think Pierce is more of the spy, sneaky kind of. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to say mustache twirling because he's a very smart man. He got <laughs> he got to his position for a reason, but I I feel like so he's he, kind of like Obadiah. Yeah, that's a really good comparison. He's the Obadiah Stane of the Captain America world. That's a very good comparison. Thank you. <laughs> it, it, it was just a bit lackluster. I think, as we said in uh, Thor 2, Loki, as a villain, has kind of spoiled us. <laughs> I would still argue Loki is the best villain of this Marvel Universe. Until, like, unless they introduce Thanos. Yeah, I'm wait- I'm sitting on Thanos, and I'm waiting. I- as of right now, but I'm really interested to see what they do with or- Ultron. And I'm really or, in- yeah, or Ultron. Yeah, I'm really in- I'm waiting to see what they do with Thanos, and I'm waiting to see what they do with Ultron. Those are the two I'm just really kind of sitting on right now. Honestly, um, Earth's <clears throat> Mightiest Heroes, like, yeah, some of the bad guys are kind of bad, but Ultron scares me. Yeah, Ultron is, if, if you know from my Night Vale podcast, I had this, like, long rant about my, like, ungodly fear of the robot revolution. Ultron scares me. And, and the thing is... Even in the comics, Ultron is that ca- that bad guy they've never beaten. He always comes back. Like, there's no way to really beat Ultron. They just put off Ultron till next time. When you have a villain that scares Tony Stark, mm-hmm. then you have a problem. I-, I think that Ultron, depending on how they play it, because I think that's what-, what makes Loki so so great as a villain, and we've talked about this before, is they make him very sympathetic. Mm-hmm. And so that's what makes him such a good villain, because uh, we know his motive, we know his backstory, we know how he got there. We've seen his fall, and we've seen his rise and his fall again. And we've seen that right. his ups and downs. I think with Ultron being a machine and being a robot, he's not going to have any redeeming qualities. He's just going to be scary and deadly for the hell of it. That's kind of a good villain in itself. I have to wonder, though, we're getting... Actually, I'm going to... I'm going to put this and save this, but I'm going to make the point of asking who is making Ultron if Ant-Man's not till phase three. It's going to be um, Hank, him, who's making it, and I think the Ant-Man who's going to be in the Ant-Man movie is Scott Lang. Yeah, I'm not happy about that. So we do get Hank Pym, but we also get Scott Lang. Yeah, I'm not happy about Hank not being Ant-Man. Yeah. I wonder if they're going to bring in Janet. I hope they bring in Janet. Oh, I hope they bring her in. They really need more. As as much as I love all the guys, I kind of want to see more girls. I know. They need to bring in Carol. They need to bring in... There's some Spider theories Woman. floating around. Actually, that's one thing I like about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Because it is a female-heavy team. Right, yeah. Um, so that's what that's one thing I, I really like, but I also have to kind of wonder, a lot of people are questioning whether or not Sky is going to be Miss Marvel. Uh, no, I don't see that. I don't, I hope not, only because I love Carol so much. Mm-hmm. But uh, a few people are questioning that, so. Anyway, uh, do we have anything else about Alexander Pierce? Nope. <laughs> Alright, uh, let's talk about Right Fast Maria Hill. We've already kind of touched on her, but I feel like she needs to be mentioned for being the awesome badass she is. And it's so weird, like, because I uh, watch How I Met Your Mother, or I used to, because it's done now. Yeah, I heard that last episode sucked. Eh. But anyway, we we don't talk about the finale. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've gathered from the How I Met Your Mother fandom. I, I hear that about a third of people liked it, and about the other two people, thir- two-thirds are like, how I, I spent nine years talking about how I wanted to bang your aunt. Mm-hmm. 
But it's so weird uh, seeing her going from Robin Scherbatsky on How I Met Your Mother and it being such a funny character to her going to Maria Hill, which is much more serious. And then you watch the Avengers um, uh, gag reel and she's just like, No! And I'm like, yep, that's the Cole B. Smulders. Yep, there's the Cole B. Smulders that I know. But, yeah, I, I really, dude, um, I can understand that. I, I felt the same way, it's kind of the reverse. Uh, seeing Sebastian stand in Hot Tub Time Machine and he was playing a comedic role, because I'm so used to him uh-huh. playing these, like, troubled, dark, brooding roles, and here he is playing a comedic role, and he's flipping hilarious. He's just so... He's so serious about America, and we have to find these terrorists and save America. <laughs> He's freaking hilarious in Haunted Time Machine. He has this terrible 80s haircut, too, because he's, you know, it takes place in the 80s. And he is just, he's so good in that movie. Oh my goodness, Robert Downey Jr. just got a Twitter account. <laughs> I was just spilled water on my computer, what? Robert Downey Jr. has a Twitter account now. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, I hope he trolls the fuck out of Chris Evans not knowing how to use his Twitter account. Because <laughs> Chris Evans does not know how to use it. Actually, uh, I think he does an okay job. Oh my god, I'm so excited. Robert? No, I don't want Robert Carlyle. I want Robert Downey Jr. Yeah! He already has 335,000 fans. Come on, it's... Robert Downey, he, I know, he only has, like, one one picture on there, and he already has over 300,000 fans. <laughs> Three tweets, I'm so excited about Robert Downey Jr., guys, you don't even know. Anyway, so Maria Hill, sorry. Okay. Hey, you're following him, too, I see that. Yep. Hey, hey, you. Hey. <laughs> What's up? Not much. recording a podcast. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. Might have heard of it, hope falls right. <laughs> but Maria Hill, I, I have to say, I really like seeing her shine in this one because I was kind of like, um, I, I, I wish we got a little bit more of her, especially. In, I, I actually, I want to see a Maria Hill one shot, especially in this kind of time period mm-hmm. where she is trying to. Because for one, how did Fury find her? She knew Fury was alive, and that's why she went out of her way to save Falcon, Natasha, and Steve. So. That's the thing, like, I think she's always been uh, his second in command, like we even saw in Earth's Mightiest Heroes. She was one of the only few who knew that Fury was alive. <laughs> and I do agree with you. I do like to take on Maria than how she is in the comics and in Earth's Mightiest Heroes, because my god, she's a bitch in the comics, and she's mm-hmm. a bitch in, usually in the TV shows. And usually I just want to punch her in the face. But when I see Maria in the cinematic universe, I love her. She's amazing mm-hmm. and she fights so hard and you can tell that she's a hero while other times she just seems like a low-lying snake just trying to to get under just to get ahead and so i i don't know like i don't know she just seems i think it might be the actress too maybe but it might also be like how the actress plays her that is true she seems yeah. a little bit more soft-spoken than in some of the other ones like she but I do like that she's like kind of soft-spoken, but can still kick ass and take names. Mm-hmm. I I do. I thought she was awesome in this one. I was not expecting her to come out and save them. I thought they were going to they make some big elaborate escape. So when she like tasered the other guard and pulled off the mast, and it was her, I was just like, fucking Maria Hill. <laughs> 
yeah, because all of a sudden, like, this other Hydra guard just, like, tases the other one, and I'm like, what is going on? Yeah, I, I, I and then Mar- And then Maria pulls off her mask, and it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, this you go, girl. Awesome. <laughs> and she was, like, she helped them take down the helicarriers, you know? She was the one that was in charge right. of watching yeah. their backs and making sure, and, and in charge of that entire situation. And, and which, she which also is- seemed, like, generally concerned about Steve. Steve, what's taking- Cap, what's taking so long? Cap, are you okay? And like when he was like, you know, go ahead and bring this down, you need to bring this down. She was like, no, but you're still on it. And he was like, I'm gonna go down again with a plane, it's okay, Maria, I survived once. (laughs) But there's no ice for you to fall on, Cap. (laughs) That's okay, Maria, it's okay. But I, uh, no, that- you're you're right, she is generally concerned about Steve in those scenes. And- Possibly Natasha, because they're probably at least, like, good co-workers. She just seems a bit more human. That is a very good way to put it. She seems more human in the cinematic universe than she does in other versions of her. Now, I will be the first to say, I am not an avid Maria Hill reader. You know, I... I, Neither am I. But the thing is, when I have read Maria Hill, I almost have always not liked her. And so I, I do have problems with her character. And then, like we said in Earth's Mightiest Heroes, she's just a jerk always, you know. Mm-hmm. she, And, like, even though most of the time she's a jerk to bring about Fury's plans, and you see later on it's Fury's plans, it's how she just portrays herself in Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Mm-hmm. Like, she, I think if it was, like, this Maria talking with the same, like, intensity and the same, like, uh, body language and stuff in Earth's Mightiest Heroes, I would like her a lot more. I'm a bit on the fence with her character. But now, I uh, to move on a little bit, just because I'm looking at time. Yeah. Um, you put on Brock Runlow. I don't really have anything to say about him. I don't. Um, so I'm gonna the let you only take this thing one. that I'm concerned about, like at first, I didn't really know like his character. I thought that he was kind of a cool guy. You know, he's on a team. And then all of a sudden, he kind of, like, betrays Cap. And I'm like, oh, you asshole. And, like, his line of, like, it's nothing personal. Uh, you just tased a guy a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Think it's personal. Sure feels personal, to quote Steve. <laughs> the thing is, is Brock Rumlow, he's Crossbone in the comics. And this also brings an interesting note to the fact that uh, Steve dressed up as crossbones in Avengers Assemble. <laughs> mm-hmm. This takes a new interesting take on that. Just like, this is revenge for all the times you've tased me in that elevator. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so, and he got burned up really badly in the um, building, but they brought him back and, like, my friend Tony is like, no, you should have just left him for dead. I'm like, no, it's comics. They have to bring him back. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, is he gonna make a comeback? Like, is he gonna come back as Crossbones, or what? Like, come back and attack Cap and, like, you ruined my life? Maybe. Because I know, uh, Crossbones is in the Winter Soldier comic with Brewbreaker, that Brewbreaker wrote. And Mm -hmm. he, he's working with Zola, and he's, um, he's the one that's working with Red Skull. So, he's obviously a Hydra agent, we know this from the comics. But he does play a little bit of a prominent role in the comics as well, so maybe they will be bringing him back, for, especially for, like, maybe Captain America 3? Mm-hmm. I can't see him coming in before that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that would make sense. 
So that's really all I had to say. I was just wondering what they were going to do with him since they made the point of showing them, uh, showing uh, them saving him. Because if they make a point of showing it, it must be important. Yeah, I have a feeling he's going to be coming back. So now shall we move on to our minor characters? To our uh, feelings? <laughs> I know. Ugh. To our massive amount of feelings? Oh, yeah. As if Bucky didn't bring enough of them. I know. If Bucky didn't bring enough feelings, I just had to throw in Peggy. Oh my goodness. Oh my oh. god, that entire scene. Because like, I thought it was a nice normal scene. They're having a great conversation, and then he turns around and comes back, and you see that she has Alzheimer's. Oh. I, I swear my heart just, that was the second time where I felt my heart clench and like break, because she just seems like so surprised, and she's like, she starts, like, tearing up and, like, like getting ready to cry. And I just love how Steve deals with it. And he's just like, of course I came back. I had to see my best girl. She owes me a dance. And I I'm know. like, oh. But think about how that must be for Steve. I, I mean, know. God. Like, and you have to wonder how many times. Because we see in the deleted scenes of the Avenger that he's looking at her file. Right. And that he knows that he is, she's still alive. And that was two years ago. So you have to wonder how long that he's been visiting her and seeing her. And how many times that has happened where she's re-recognized him again. It was just like, Steve, you're back. Like, how many times has that happened? But I'm glad that she at least got some sort of happy ending, at least in this, because I know in the comics she really didn't. Though um, I have to, I kind of have to wonder who her husband is. Um, all, cause... all we know about him is that he was part of the group that got captured by Hydra. See, I thought they were, uh, like, kind of saying that it was one of the Howling Commandos, but I didn't get a good look at the picture and I haven't had a chance to see it. Um, see, that, but... I think that might have been more of a rumor. Okay, because... I was only wondering, uh, because they were talking about the Howling Commandos, and then she was like, yeah, and I had a good life, and they looked at the picture, so I, I didn't get a chance to really get a good look, and I have, I have been so busy this week, I haven't got a chance to look on Tumblr yet for it, but I was just wondering, um, I, I, w I wanted to know who her husband was. Uh, some people think that it could have been Gabe Jones, the guy who uh, translated the French for... Oh, yeah. Or, like, my personal opinion, it could have been, like, James Fallsworth. He's the guy with the hat. Uh, no. Oh. The guy with the hat is <laughs> um, Dum Dum Dugan. I will not even pretend that I know the names so of the Howling Commandos. It could have been Dugan because Dugan was working with Stark on S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm -hmm. Because, like, at the end of Agent Carter, Dum Dum Dugan is sitting with um, Stark and he's just, like, staring at these two girls. And he's like, what are they wearing? And Howard Stark is like, oh, that's, they're wearing what's called a bikini. And Dugan is like, did you make them? And Howard's like, no, the French. And they're just like, oh. <laughs> I, ha I have to say, it really breaks my heart that I've yet to see Agent Carter. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I've yet to see The Consultant, and I've yet to see Agent Carter, and then I haven't seen Item 47. And now I really want to see Item 47, knowing that Sitwell is a Hydra agent. Mm -hmm. so. Also, uh, the consultant has it well in it. So yes, like I, I, I do know that. I've I've read the summaries and I know <laughs> the plots of them. I've just yet to sit down and watch them. Anyway, so it could have been Dugan. Yeah, if they didn't give us enough feels, they just had to throw that one in as well. And I like the like, way they gave a lot of callbacks to like Peggy, like you know, being one of the founders of Shield. We saw a lot of pictures of her. I know. 
Um, the thing is, is that I'm glad because she plays such a major role in the first Captain America, and she was his love interest, but also we find out that she's an agent and she's able to take care of herself, and what makes her important isn't that she was Steve's love interest, but that, well, she could hold her own as a woman in World War II era, which was way sexist. And she actually became the co-founder of S.H.I.E.L.D. I have a deep love of Peggy Carter, and I wasn't expecting them to bring her in this movie. I know, but uh, I think they have been talking about a Peggy Carter TV show. show. They have been talking about one. Mm-hmm. And that gets me super duper excited, because you know that Howard Stark's going to be there, and I'm going to be like, look my shit. I, I hope we get, if they do a Peggy Carter uh, TV show, I mm-hmm. hope they do Peggy Carter, Howard Stark, they bring back, um, oh my god, what's his name? Uh, Tommy Lee Jones' character. Chester. Chester. Colonel, Colonel Phillips. Yeah, Chester Phillips. Uh, I remember Chester, but I can never remember Phillips. <laughs> um, but And then I hope we get to see young Tony, young Fury, young Phil. Like, I hope we get to yes. see, like, all these, like, like the baby shield agents. Ooh. And then, like, bring back Dum Dum Dugan. Ooh, not all the Hound Commandos. Ooh. Uh, Ooh, I, I need well, this in my see, life. I really love historical stuff. Me too. So, this would just be amazing. I I just I'm having such feels for Peggy, and I really I know they've been talking about it. Mm-hmm. I, I think it got confirmed, but I don't think they've actually pulled the trigger on it. Right, but it would be amazing. Yes. So because Marvel does a really good job with its female characters. They do. Take note, DC. <clears throat> oh, who was it? I I it's someone I follow on Twitter, but he works up at Marvel. And mm-hmm. he said something like how DC was saying how a Wonder Woman movie would be just so confusing and complicated. And Marvel's ah. just like, here's a motherfucking raccoon with a machine gun! Yay! <laughs> like, I love Marvel. I love how they take chances. And they're not afraid to take chances. And I think, I and we'll talk about this later, but I think there's a reason they put up Superman and Batman against Captain America 3 versus Avengers 2 or mm-hmm. Avengers 3. Because I know that they, I think that they know that they can compete with the smaller movies, like the single ones. But I think they, DC fully understands that they cannot compete against Marvel if it was mm-hmm. a full-fledged Avengers movie. Right. There's just no way, and I think they're very understanding of that point. But I don't, and it really upsets me, because I, I do like DC. Like, we do talk mm-hmm. Mar- Marvel on the show. But I do like DC, like I love, I love Batman. I love uh, Red Arrow, or not Red Arrow. I love uh, Green Arrow. I do love Red Arrow too. I love Speedy. I love Flash. Pretty much the only thing in DC that I'm not a big fan of is Superman. I love Wonder Woman. Like I love everything about DC minus Superman. Um, right. So I'm, I'm just like one of my favorite. Um, like some of my favorite female villains actually come from DC. God, give me a Harley Quinn every day in Poison Ivy. I, I love mm-hmm. those two together. And, and like they have, and uh, now what DC does really well is TV shows. Young Justice is an Emmy-winning show that they were stupid enough to cancel because Cartoon Network is full of dumb fucks. Because um, oh my goodness, girls are watching this show. That oh. you see grown men watching My Little Pony. I know. Don't even get me started. I I'm just flabbergasted that the TV show the show won an Emmy and then they canceled it. Like, it's the most highest prestigious award in television, and they, they knocked it off. I do not understand their line of thought process. They looked at money and not awards, and people. 
So don't even get me started on that entire argument about Cartoon Network's executives pulling Young Justice. But they do cartoons really well. Like, their animated movies are stellar. Oh my god, Batman. Oh, what's it called? It's the one where Jason Todd comes back and it has no Patrick Harris and Jensen Ackles mm-hmm. in it. What is that movie called? Under the Hood. Sorry, it took me a second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> took me a second. I had to, like, fangirl. Under the Hood is probably one of the best animated movies, like, up there. And it's not, like, one of the best DCs. It's just up there is probably one of the best animated movies. It is so good. And Jason Todd is amazing in that film. Batman mm-hmm. is amazing. They really set up the entire thing well. And th- so that's where DC ha- really, really shines, is they have these these Except animated movies. For, like, Teen Titans was one of my favorite cartoons growing up. And then they fucked it up with Teen Titans Go. Ugh. Fucked Don't it up. Don't remind me. I know, I, I watched one episode of this, and I was like, what the fuck is this? And the thing is, the original Teen Titans is on Boomerang, and I've been watching it and recording it. And so I've been working, reworking my way through it, and I forgot, like, I love Teen Titans, but I didn't realize how much I absolutely love Teen Titans. Like, this show is so amazing. And the one thing I regret is we never got the Starfire arc, because every character got a complete full season arc, except for Starfire, Mm -hmm. and then the fucking show ends on a cliffhanger. I know, like, I still want to know what happened to Terra. I want to know what happens on a lot (laughs) of things. Like, there's so much of that show that was completely unanswered. That was the first, and I actually grew up watching a little bit of the Justice League. Mm -hmm, That's another one that's incredibly good. So I'm like, okay, like, I admit, I even went to go see the Green Lantern movie, mostly because of Ryan Ryan Reynolds, but meh. So I think the thing with DC, though, that they need to do, which is Marvel's not afraid to do. Marvel's just like, hey, let's just go ahead and go there. And I think the problem that DC is having is they're trying too much to compare it. Like, they're thinking along the lines of, how do we compete with Marvel opposed to how do we make a good movie? Right. That's I think that's like, all they're trying to do. They're like, at this point, they're like, we want to compete with Marvel to the point where they're just shooting themselves in the foot trying to make the, a, a movie. Like, just, they, they just did, to get a movie out there. They did a really good job with the um, Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy. Oh, Yeah. They did a good job, and I think partially they were probably focusing more on let's make a good movie mm-hmm. during that time period than let's compete with Marvel. And the, the TV shows do well, too. I mean, Arrow is in its second season. It is strong and it has a really strong fan base. And there's the Flash TV show coming that I'm actually pretty mm-hmm. excited about. Like, I, I, I'm a big fan of Barry, and and I'm, I I really want to see the, the Flash TV show. And so, like... and Didn't they small- also introduce flash into arrow and it's played by the guy who played sebastian and glee <laughs> i i don't know um arrow's one that i've seen episodes here and there and i've been meaning to sit down and watch it but i haven't had a chance to okay uh i you should see my really long list of tv shows that i need to just sit down and watch mm-hmm. um and arrow is definitely one of them because my sister watches arrow and so when i lived with my sister i would catch episodes there, here and there and i also i love john barrowman and i love alex kingston and so, and I know that both of the, because they're both in Doctor Who, and they're both in Arrow. And so, like, I've been really wanting to watch Arrow. I just, I'm one of those people, I have to see a television show from the beginning. So, mm-hmm. I just haven't had a chance to see it yet. But what was I saying? Uh, but yeah, they do television shows really well. I mean, look how popular Smallville was when it was. And, from. like, I mean, I've also seen bits and clips of Batman the Brave, the Bold, and... <laughs> that, that show is amazing. It's so campy in a terrible but in a hilarious way. 
Oh, like, I love Batman Brave and the Bold. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Like, and I grew up on stuff my... like Batman Beyond, like the in the original mm-hmm. Batman comic, like I or, know. Uh, t- cartoon. So like, what, what, but what the movie studios need to do is stop trying to compare themselves to Marvel. DC does have the capability to make a good movie. We've seen it with Batman. We've seen it with other films. Like they, I'm trying. There was one a couple years ago, and it was really good. Maybe I'm thinking like older Batmans. <laughs> well, I mean, they Batman, they Batman. do really well. They do Batman well always. Well, that's because Batman is Batman. It is. Because I'm he, Batman. <laughs> well, he's already just such a good complex character. Yeah. He, he pretty if much he could... I was about to say he could pretty much be a Marvel character. He could be. That was really bad comparison. I can hear, oh. like, all my comic book guru fans be like, hope we're gonna fucking find you and kill you. <laughs> but, um... No, but I, I just... DC needs to stop trying to focus on comparing themselves to market Marvel and just focus on making a good movie. Right. Like, they just need to do their own thing. And that's because that's why more... Like, look at Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, that's a... this is That movie is a huge risk for Marvel. Huge risk. Because um, unless you're, like, a fan of the comics and know about it, no, really not a lot of people know about Guardians of the Galaxy. Which is while they're, why they're smart, and I'm going to talk about this later, about how they presented the trailer where they introduced the main cast of the Guardians right. of the Galaxy. And, talked and they about made them. it funny and interesting. Yeah. I, and I, I, I think... This is going to sound terrible again. DC takes themselves really seriously. Mm. Like, like, they take themselves so seriously... And I feel like Marvel is just kind of a little bit more like, what the hell, let's do it! Yeah! And not only that, but I think Marvel kind of has an advantage because they have Stan Lee behind them. I I don't even know if it's as much that. Stan, Stan uh, while he is still producing stuff, he's, right. in his older age, is becoming more of a figurehead. And while, mm-hmm. while that helps and while he's promoting it, I think where Marvel has it is they created an entire studio just for the films. Right. Marvel's still having to uh, answer, to, or DC's still having to answer to, like, Warner Brothers. Marvel mm-hmm. answers to themselves. Except they kind of got bought by Disney. But so. they still don't have to answer to Disney. Right. <laughs> yeah, the way I explained this to somebody else, because somebody was like, how is Disney Star- just owns the licensing. Right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. The way I explained it, because they were confused to somebody else, is that they didn't understand how Disney, Marvel, and Star Wars, there we go, were all together and owned by the same company. And they're like, well, I'm not excited for the Star Wars movie because Disney's going to have their say in it. And I was like, no, they're not. Disney Technically, George Lucas film still has. Yeah. The way you have to think of Disney owning Marvel and owning Star Wars is that's an, Disney is an umbrella term. You know, it's just it just covers these two. They get a chunk of money. They really can't touch these two companies. Marvel mm-hmm. can do their own thing, and Star Wars can do their own thing, and Lucasfilms can do their own thing. They're just owned by this company, and so that Disney just kind of gets a paycheck to it. So it's all under the same license of Disney. But and same thing with ABC. ABC is under Disney too, or right. or, or is Disney they or, do their own thing, or is Disney under ABC? Uh, ABC is under Disney, I think. Okay. And so, same thing with, like, ABC. Like, they can still do their own things. Now, granted, they have to, they run it, and so, see, that's why they, Once Upon a Time, let's take a look at Once Upon a Time. They can't touch Tangled. They brought in Rapunzel, but even though Disney owns them, they don't own the rights to use 
Rapunzel from Tangled. They had to go back and use their own Rapunzel from the Mm -hmm. original story. Same thing with, um, that's why they can't touch Frozen right now. They're not going to be able to bring Frozen anytime soon into Disney until they can renegotiate that. So even though uh, Disney owns ABC, ABC can't use Disney characters. Mm -hmm. So that's, I mean, so what were we originally talking about? Oh, so, oh yeah. Uh, so I think that's where Marvel is better than DC. And is they have their entire own studio to do whatever the fuck they want. While Marvel or DC still has to answer to Warner Brothers. Like they are directly have to go through right. Warner Brothers. While Disney doesn't, cannot touch any Marvel projects. Which sucks. <laughs> Good for Marvel, bad for DC. So Anyway. Let's get moving on to Sharon. Yeah, Speaking of Peggy, on to Sharon. So, yeah, I I kind of was... There's a lot of big things going on with Sharon coming in. And I think she... Now, my first question to you is, do you know how many contracts off the top of your head or how many movies Sharon is slated for? No, I don't. Me neither. And I think that's highly important. I can try to look it up. Okay, uh, as Marvel Studios is known for contracting their actors for multiple films, it is likely that Van Camp will appear in potential sequels and possibly other films set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so they don't have an exact... Or they haven't uh, revealed it yet, because they didn't reveal Sebastian Stan's nine movies until recently. Right. So, alright. I think that it's incredibly important that they introduce Sharon in this film. And the reason it's incredibly important is for two things. Chris Evans, number one, Chris Evans has three more movies left. Number two, in about mid-2000s, they put out this little book called Death of Captain America, and Sharon Carter is the one that shot him. You had to remind me. Yep. I think that is the really... Because like, like you said in your notes, they didn't really do much with her character. She was just sort right. of there. Like, they don't even mention her last name. All she really is is Agent 13 or the nurse who lives in the same apartment as Steve. Now, isn't Sharon Peggy's daughter in the comics? In the comics, Sharon is Peggy's niece. Niece. Okay, I knew she had a relationship. Because I want to say that'd be really weird. Be like, okay, Peggy, I want to date your daughter now. Right, because (laughs) she's uh, the daughter to Peggy's younger brother. Okay. Maybe in the cinematic universe, they're not going to be bringing it in that she's Peggy's. I don't see it. No, they have to. I don't like, see it. Yeah. That's the most it's, interesting it's kind thing of an about Sharon right now. <laughs> kind of an important thing. Yeah. I, I think I really, they didn't really do much with Sharon. And I think the biggest thing that they're going to be doing is they're going to be expanding on her. Especially for Cap 3 going mm-hmm. into Chris Evans' last movie, which will probably be Avengers 3. Right. Because, like, they share a meaningful look like a couple of times Mm -hmm. so it's like are they building her up to be a romantic interest because they do date in the comics they date on and off yeah but meanwhile tony is over here in his corner hero worshiping (laughs) (laughs) and having an entire room dedicated to him (laughs) yes though he has pepper peps pepper pod in the marvel cinematic universe yeah i knew i like tony pepper in the comics, Tony, I think, is still single, and for a while, he was in space. <laughs> <laughs> Tony. I love you, Tony. Yeah, he was hanging out with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Actually, yep. I'm kind of interested to see if we're going to see a Robert Downey Jr. cameo, maybe, like, post-credits in Guardians. That would be cool. I'm kind of feeling that. Because <laughs> I, I, I kind of 
he really is the only one that has either that or a Thor cameo. Because we've seen Guardians cameo in Thor. Right. We have not seen, or at least the traitor that's going to be, mm-hmm. the, the traitor as in trading goods, not as in right. stabbing <laughs> the back traitor. Um, uh, we see him in Thor, and so I'm wondering if either Thor or um, or, or Robert Downey Jr. or if Tony... They're the same person. They're the same person. Um, or if Tony is going to be, um, either one of them is going to be showing up in uh, Guardians. Hmm, it's possible, maybe. But yeah, just I wish that they had probably done more with her character because they did make her seem a bit important in the trailer. Mm-hmm. And then she showed up like three times. Yeah, I I, I really want to see what they're going to do with Sharon. Uh, Sharon. Like, I, I really do want to see what they're going to do with her. I want to... I think they are going to build her. When they said that it's likely, I think they're only doing that for non-comic book readers who are not familiar with Death of Captain America. Right. Kind of like the whole, like, we're not going to tell people right away that Bucky is the Winter Soldier. <clears throat> Except for people who actually know what Winter Soldier is. Right. <laughs> so, I I think that we're going to see more of her in the future. I just don't think we're going to be seeing her right now. And, I mean, he did ask Sharon out for coffee. That is very true. We see little Steve making a step forward in the, <laughs> better say, in the puberty track. <laughs> he is moving his way towards actually getting some fondue. <laughs> hey, he says that that his kiss with Natasha wasn't his first one since the 40s. He's gotten some action. I wonder who. That's a really, I was kind of wondering that too. I was like, oh, who are you seeing? Maybe, maybe he just kind of had some lonely nights and picked up a couple one night stands. And, you know, mm-hmm. being Captain America, you know, people know who he is. Be like, hey, I'm Captain America. You want to come sleep with me? And he just kind of be like, yeah, freedom. <laughs> Bye. From my pants. You want to you wanna climb with my flagpole? <laughs> when I, I'm, oh, wait, I have... when in the 40s I couldn't climb the flagpole, so I knocked it down. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm Captain Steve Rogers. How would you like to Roger me? <laughs> Steve Roger pickup line. Really, he doesn't need a pickup line. He just walk in the guy. Hey, I'm Captain Hi. America. Hi, I'm gonna come sleep with you now. <laughs> kind, kind of like um, Tony Stark. It's just like, hi, I'm Tony Stark. Yeah, you don't even need a pickup line. That is your pickup line. Except mm. for Hawkeye, like Clint Murdoch can be like, hey, I'm Hawkeye, and everybody be like, who are you? <laughs> kind I of love like- you, Clint. Kind of like Peter Quill and come on, I'm Star Lord. Star Lord, never mind. <laughs> I'm so excited for Guardians of the Galaxy. Like I, know. I was, I was iffy about it until I saw the trailer, and then I was completely on board. I know. And then come I found on. out that Vin Diesel was in it, and I love Vin Diesel, even though he's only the voice of Groot. But I, I do have a deep love of Vin Diesel. Also, Bradley Cooper is playing Rocket Raccoon. I know. I am just, this movie, and then, like, Karen Gillan is amazing. Like, when I saw her in her full, like, blue alien makeup, mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, you look so hot. And then not only that, but we have, uh, John Riley. Yes! I did not know John C. Riley was in this movie. So the mo- and I, I have a deep love of John C. Riley. Like, I, I love almost everything I've ever seen him in. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw when he popped up, I was just like, oh my god! Oh my god! And I was like, flip it out! Like, I have... Like, I just, I love John C. Riley. Oh my gosh, I have and, a... <laughs> shake and bake and I helped. And then we have our third Chris as a Chris Pratt. 
We're having Who a Christmas. Peter Quill. They just need to make a ba- uh, Marvel boy band. The three Chrises. Oh my Chris, god. Chris Cubed. <laughs> Chris Cubed! <laughs> That's the name of the boy band. It's going to be Chris Hemsworth, Chris Pratt, and Chris Evans. And they're going to be called Chris Cubed. Oh, I got. I have to... Uh, my Twitter is not... Uh, <laughs> Twitter, come to me. <laughs> I must tweet you. Go faster, Twitter. <laughs> Chris Cubed, that's hilarious. Yes. Was, oh, and, and then finally, last but not least in the characters, I just wanted to mention this. Because I had quite a shock. If you know me, I, I talk about Once Upon a Time a lot. And uh, one of my biggest theories all through the, the last half of Season 2, going into Season 3, was, okay, with all the main players in Neverland, where is evil King George? And, uh, and King George is played by Alan Dell. And the whole time I was just going, why isn't King George making a move? All the big players are gone. You know, he could easily take over this town. No one's there to stop him. And then he pops up as World Security Councilman Rockwell. And I was just like, oh, King George was playing in Marvel Land. Okay, well, that explains so much. But I have to note that Once Upon a Time is getting pretty lucky with these Marvel roles. Because this is their third Once actor that showed right. up in Marvel. So could you imagine if the original Thor, Josh Dallas's fan role, met up with World Security Councilman Rockwell, like, hmm, you look familiar. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it'd be like Charming and, and George together. That would be amazing. I really kind of want to see that, though. I'm not going to lie. I kind of had an idea for a Bucky fan troll one-shot. Mm-hmm. Mm, I'm not going to share it on here. I'm going to write it. Okay. Um... <laughs> I'm going to write it and on a whim send it to Joss Whedon for him to ignore and not read it because <laughs> do you know how many people probably email Joss Whedon a day and go, hey, you should look at my Marvel link shot. <laughs> so, but yeah. Um, but I, it, what the hell? He might off on, on a very off chance to be like, sure, I'll read this. What the but hell? But it was kind of cool to finally see the World Security Council outside of their shadowy screens. <laughs> I have to say so as well. Um, I'm glad we actually are talking about them for a second. Um, because I love the fact that they, even though, you know, they're these older people and stuff, they were still willing to fight and stand up to Pierce. Like, mm-hmm. the, like the Indian, like, and it was something like when Pierce was talked to the Indian councilman, he was like, well, what if I took your two daughters and put in front of, like, a baseball field full of people to execute them? Would you save their lives ever saving two million people? And he was like, yes, I would. Because it's his daughter. You you fight for the people that you care about. No, but he said he would oh. sacrifice his daughters to save oh, a million people. So. The one versus the many. I, I But that that's not the point I'm making. The point I'm okay. making is that the World Security Council, even though they're like these older like these older guys, and they're clearly mm-hmm. not as fit as shit, as shit angels. <laughs> shit angels. That's what I just said. Shield agents. <laughs> They're clearly not as fit. They were willing to fight Pierce and to stand up to him, and they mm-hmm. weren't going to take his bullshit. And it wasn't until Pierce killed them that they found. Well, let's say it wasn't until Pierce killed them that they finally stepped down. No, it wasn't until Pierce uh, was like killing them that they they never stopped trying to stand up to Pierce. Right. And I I found and it, until it was revealed as Natasha in disguise, I was actually really hoping it was the councilwoman really I know. How really cool fighting. Would that have been. That would have been it awesome because I, I remember of, it came out of nowhere and you weren't expecting it and you're just like 
Wow. And I had a moment of going, every person in S.H.I.E.L.D. is fucking amazing. <laughs> like, I said that physically out loud in the theater. Because <laughs> my friends laughed at me when I said it. <laughs> and so I, I was actually a little bummed that it was Natasha. And of course, it was there for the plot. But right. I was really hoping it was the councilwoman for real. It, it just would have been really awesome. Because you have, like, this older lady just kicking someone's ass. I know. And so, like, I, I have to say that I really... Because up to this point, we haven't really had a positive first, a view of the World Security Council. You know, I mean, they did, hello, they did try to blow up New York with a nuke. That is true. And and actually, this these three people are different from the ones that we've seen previously. Um, are they? So, Yes, they they are. We have not seen. Um, if you look at the list of World Security Councils, these three only appear in this movie. Huh. So I wonder who the other Security Council members were. Maybe they're Hydra. Maybe that's why they wanted to blow up New York to eliminate threats early. Hmm. 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 Um. But like, that's what I I really admired these people because they were more than willing to stand up to Pierce and to fight, even though we've they and I I kind it gave me a more of a positive light of them because up to this point that we haven't really seen them and good like because they tried to blow up New York and they tried to stop the Avengers initiative, and so I really enjoyed seeing them in this kind of view. I'm kind of sad that they got killed. I'm like, no. I know. I was like, I'm finally liking you guys, and you guys got offed. And I was just like, aww. But that means King George can come back to once upon a time. I've learned the lesson. Don't like characters, because they will die. Or you'll they'll have feels. Or you'll get major feels. Yeah, that will happen. All right, you guys, thanks so much for listening. In the next few episodes, we're going to be talking about our theories, you know, our theories for the future movies, how we thought about big concepts. We're going to analyze the big Hydra reveal and how we felt about that and how it's going to affect the franchise. And so pretty much from here on out, we're going to be talking about theories in the future's movies coming up. So I hope you enjoyed that. If you want to find me, I'm at Hope Molinax. You can also find me on Tumblr at geekygirlexperience.com. You can also find me on my Once Upon a Time blog, onceuponanobsession.tumblr.com. And I also have, like, Instagram and Facebook. And a lot of it's the same, and I, I cross-post all those. So, yeah, if you like what you hear, just leave me a review, man. I got my first iTunes review, guys. I was so excited. You know, in five years of, like, podcasting, I finally got my first review. And I'm uber excited. So, thank you. Thank you to my buddy Bill for writing that. <laughs> It was my fellow podcaster friend, Bill Meeks, but I'm so excited. It just made my day. So, yeah, I mean, and if you like what I do, just go leave a uh, review or uh, go rate me on iTunes or something. It really helps me. It helps people find my show, and it really helps me in this, like, dark, you know, black hole that we call podcasting. It helps keep me going, and I, I've been getting a lot of great reviews on, like, my blogs and stuff about my podcast. So, yeah, it help other people find me. All right, you guys. Well, that's it for me. Thank you so much for listening. Just so you know, the ending song this time around is The Ghost of You by my favorite band of all times, My Chemical Romance. Um, I, I, it's such a great song that I think just encompasses Bucky and Steve. And if you ever actually watch the music video, um, it's set during World War II and D-Day. So it has a little bit of that historical Captain America flair to it as well. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for listening to Hope of All Trades. My name is Hope Molinex, and have a great time of the day wherever you are, guys. Go out and make your own happiness. I never said I'd lie in 
if I fall.